Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, today is Sunday, uh, Sunday night, January 26th, 2020, and it's a very sad day in the world, specifically in the sports world, as TMZ broke the news earlier today that five-time NBA world champion Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter Gigi were killed in a helicopter crash near Thousand Oaks, California, on their way to Gigi's travel basketball game. I mean, one of the most tragic days in sports history, losing one of the all-time great basketball players and my at just 41 years of age. I, I, I quickly just wanted to give my two cents on the situation and kind of talk about how uh, how great of a person, an athlete, uh, a basketball mind, and even how great of a storyteller that Kobe Bryant was. And uh, we also have Burlington Royals broadcaster Alex Fuse on the show today uh, talking sports broadcasting, some WWE Royal Rumble picks tonight in Houston. Uh, some more news regarding the Houston Astros as well as more news regarding this whole Kobe Bryant situation. And I wanted to extend my condolences to the rest of the Bryant family, their friends, and anyone else who was affected by this horrific crash. So let's talk a little bit about Kobe Bryant here on episode 147 presented by Belly Up Sports. <laughs> was a man whose influence reached far further than the basketball court as well as the Los Angeles Lakers though of course his numbers in the NBA are what made him such a legendary figure for all these years and the Los Angeles Lakers uh, uh, they uh, they were traveling after a game in Philly last night LeBron James getting off the plane uh, giving hugs to everybody around just a very emotional time um, and this obviously led to many outpouring uh, tributes for one of the all-time greats in Kobe Bryant. I mean, his list of achievements over a 20-year career with the Lakers are the stuff of of legends, and his numbers stack up against the best to have played the game. And um, I mean, I mean, just look at the stats here; they just speak for themselves. I mean, five-time NBA World Champion with the Lakers in 2000, 2001, 2002, 2009, and 2010. He was twice named uh, League MVP, uh, as well as in the NBA Finals. In 2009 and 2010, uh, was a fixture in the NBA All Star uh, game named to that side in 1998, um, and then each year from 2000 to 2016, the year that he retired. I mean, uh, those 18 appearances put him second on the all-time list with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar playing in 19 All-Star games. Um, He was four times the NBA All-Star Game MVP, 2002, 2007, 2009, and 2011. He received one NBA MVP, so I stand corrected, one NBA MVP award, and that was during the 2007-2008 season where he became the youngest player to reach 20,000 career points at the age of 29 years. 
and uh, he sits fourth on the uh, all-time NBA list of points scorers with 33,643 from uh, 1,346 games, and only Abdul-Jabbar, Karl Malone, and uh, King LeBron James, uh, who overtook Bryant's career total uh, last night, are still ahead of him on the list. And then, uh, of course, in the 2005-2006 season, Bryant recorded his highest points per game average for a single campaign with 35 and a half and then he led the NBA in scoring in that season uh, and then in the 2006-2007 season as well and then whoever whoever can forget that game nearly 13-14 years ago uh, when Bryant scored I think it was 81 points in a win over the Raptors at the Staples Center that's the second highest an individual has scored in an NBA game uh, behind Wilt Chamberlain's 100 points for the Philadelphia Warriors against the Knicks back in 1962 and then of course another memorable memory uh, memory was his final game that was on April I don't remember the exact date but April of 2016 April 13th we have it and uh, Kobe Bryant scored 60 points uh, in his final game and that was a win over the Utah Jazz 101 to 96 and he received all NBA honors in 15 seasons. He was named uh, in the first team on 11 occasions, and only LeBron James has more with 12 appearances in the first team, which beats Bryant's total. Um, he was named nine times to the NBA all-defensive team, matching the uh, all-time high. Kevin Garnett, Michael Jordan, and Gary Payton all achieved the same total. Kobe was an NBA player of the month 17 times, 32 times the player of the week. I mean, his success was not limited to NBA action either. He won Olympic gold medals with the United States in 2008-2012, and he won an Oscar, too. After his playing career ended, he landed the Best Animated Short Film Prize at the 2018 Academy Awards for Deer Basketball. And I just wanted to read the official statement from TMZ. They reported that Kobe Bryant and his daughter have died after a helicopter crash near Los Angeles, which also killed nine people aboard, and that was confirmed by both ESPN and ABC News as well. Uh, officials said that it was a Sikorsky S-76 that crashed on a hillside in the town of Calabasas around 10 a.m. this morning, and the circumstances surrounding the crash are still unknown, and an investigation is ongoing, and sources told ESPN that Kobe Bryant and his 13-year-old daughter uh, Gianna Gigi were among the victims in the Sunday morning crash. They were on their way to travel uh, to Gigi's travel basketball game along with another player and parent. Um, that's what a source with the Los Angeles Lakers told ABC TV and the Los Angeles Sheriff said nine people are on board including the pilot but they would not release the identities of the victims yet. Initial reports in indicated that just five people were on board and killed the crash. Now there's nine. And I guess we can confirm one of them, a college baseball coach, a, a pitching coach, John Olabelli. He uh, was the head baseball coach, excuse me, at Orange Coast College in Costa Mesa, California. Um, he was 56, was aboard the aircraft with his daughter Alyssa Olabelli and his wife, Carrie Olabelli. So, um, I mean... That's that. That's what Tony Aldabelli said. That's what he told CNN. That's his brother, and of course, Gianna, Brian, and Alyssa Aldabelli were teammates at the Mamba Academy and were flying from Orange County, California, to Thousand Oaks, California, to attend a game. Uh, that's what Ron LaRufa told uh, CNN, the uh, assistant coach over there. He said it was something John routinely did, flying up with Kobe to attend games with his daughter. 
And again, there were no survivors in this crash, all nine pronounced dead, and NBA Commissioner Adam Silver uh, made a statement regarding the passing of Kobe Bryant today with the NBA Communications, um, saying the NBA family is devastated by the tragic passing of Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna. For 20 seasons, Kobe showed us what is possible when remarkable talents blends with an absolute devotion to winning. He was one of the most extraordinary players in the history of our game with accomplishments that are legendary five nba championships an nba mvp award 18 nba all-star selections and two olympic gold medals but he will be remembered most for inspiring people around the world to pick up a basketball and compete to the very best of their ability he was generous with the wisdom he acquired and saw it as his mission to share it with future generations of players taking special delight in passing down his love to the game to gianna we send our heartfelt condolences to his wife vanessa and their family the Lakers organization and the entire sports world and the messages of condolences and tributes to one of the greatest basketball players of all time have been pouring in Michael Jordan said words can't describe the pain that he was feeling he said I loved Kobe he was like a little brother to me we used to talk often and I will miss those conversations very very much he was a fierce competitor one of the greats of the game and a creative force Kobe was also an amazing dad who loved his family deeply and took great pride in his daughter's love for the game. And Adam Silver, uh, as well as the statement, said um, he will be remembered most for inspiring people around the world to pick up a basketball and compete to the very best of their ability. Shaquille O'Neal even tweeted out saying, there's no words to express the pain I'm going through with this tragedy of losing my niece Gigi and my brother Kobe Bryant. I love you and you will be missed. My condolences go out to the Bryant family and families of the other passengers on board. I am sick right now. um, I mean, he has four children, all girls, and uh, his 13-year-old daughter, Gigi, gone with him. He's got a 17-year-old daughter as well as two younger daughters, um, younger than Gigi. And off the court, like I just said, Kobe Bryant won an Oscar award in 2018 for Dear Basketball, which was an animated short film based off of a letter that he wrote that was published in the Players' Tribune. And uh, I think it was Colin Storm who was living in his uh, living room in Calabasas when he heard what uh, sounded to him like a low-flying airplane or helicopter. He said it was very foggy, foggy, couldn't see anything, but then he heard some sputtering and then a huge boom. And then the fog cleared a little bit, and then he could see uh, smoke rising from the hillside in front of his home. And Juan Bonilla of Calabasas said that he was working on his roof Sunday morning um, when he heard a helicopter flying low nearby. He said that he thought it was a sheriff's helicopter on a training mission. He heard nothing amiss with the engine or road and he said that he did not see any mechanical issue with the chopper. It was a foggy Sunday morning, but he said visibly didn't seem to be low at the time of the crash, and firefighters hiked in with medical equipment and hoses, and medical personnel quickly got to the site from a helicopter but found no survivors. Uh, That's what the Los Angeles County Fire Chief Daryl Osby said. Um, Firefighters worked to uh, get rid of the flames that spread throughout about... uh, quarter of an acre Um, federal aviation administration spokesman alan kenister said that he uh, downed the chopper was a again a sigorsky s76 and the national transportation safety board sent a a go team of investigators 
to the site and the NTSB typically issues a preliminary report within about 10 days that will give a rough summary of what investigators have learned and a ruling on the cause can take a year or more and uh, Gary C. Robb an aviation attorney in Kansas City said that they'll look They'll look at it, uh, man, machine, and environment. And the sports world can, of course, look and say, hey, Kobe Bryant and his daughter were killed in this crash. There were also seven other people that were killed in this crash. We don't know um, at least four of them. We know the pilot. We know Kobe Bryant. We know his daughter. We know uh, Arabelli, his wife, and his daughter. So there's a still a few unknown uh, names and faces that were killed in this accident. Hopefully those will come out in the next few days. Uh, the last thing I wanted to touch up on this, though, was Kobe Bryant's ability just to tell a story. I mean, it wasn't all basketball for him. A great intellectual and sharp mind. And uh, on last night, Saturday night, in a game against the 76ers, LeBron James, who now plays for the Lakers, scored a layup with about seven and a half minutes remaining in the third quarter, which gave him 33,644 points in his career, which marked two more than Kobe Bryant, which made him um, go into third place on the NBA's all-time scoring list. And before the game, LeBron James had written, uh, quote-unquote, Mamba for Life, a reference to Kobe's nickname, on his shoes. He said, continuing to move the game forward, um, I think it was Kobe Bryant who tweeted at around 10.40 p.m. Um, he said, much respect, my brother, hashtag 33644. And then the next morning, Bryant and his daughter, Gianna, boarded the helicopter in Orange County where they they live, took off for one of Gianna's travel games. And, uh, I mean, Kobe Bryant played... In the NBA, like I said, for 20 years, he won five league championships, 18-time All-Star, the list of accomplishments go on and on. Even a league of larger-than-life personalities, Kobe Bryant stood out among the rest of them. He always stood out. The word that is perhaps most often used to describe his career is singular. He, he was seen as a loner, and he sometimes described himself that way as, uh, a, I guess you could say, a black American child in Italy where his father played professional basketball, um, and as, a, as an Italian teenager in a suburban Philadelphia during high school, as an 18-year-old trying to negotiate or dominate the NBA as a workaholic who was not always the best teammate. That, that was one story that was told about him, uh, one that he told too, actually. It seemed for a long time that he only saw himself as a winner, but it turned out that he saw himself as a storyteller as well, and at times, this quality could make him seem a little bit slick, aware of his own personal mythology, but as his career progressed, I guess you can say, I mean, he fought back from injury after injury, you gotta remember, and he became more expansive about the, the, the narrative power of sports and its ability to transform a, an inner struggle into an outer one. I mean, he didn't hide the fact that he was angry, and he could be selfish. I mean, that was proven in his days with uh, Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, that's well documented, and 
that was warped by his overwhelming competitive instincts. And in a 2014 profile, I think it was by Ben McGrath, Kobe, um, in discussing an outburst by uh, Richard Sherman, talked about the ugliness of greatness. And there was another kind of ugliness to him, one that had nothing to do with greatness. I mean, in 2003, a 19-year-old hotel employee in Colorado accused him of rape. Nobody's going to forget that either. I mean, and Kobe Bryant was arrested on felony sexual assault charges. He claimed that the sex was consensual. Uh, the case was dropped after the employee refused to testify. And after uh, Bryant's legal team publicly smeared her, uh, he said, I, I now understand how she feels and that she did not consent to this encounter. I mean, that's what Bryant said later in a public apology. He settled with the woman in a separate civil case. And that is part of Kobe Bryant's story, too, and he knew it. He tried to control it, partly by silencing the alleged victim with a non-disclosure clause and partly by allegorizing the aftermath. I mean, it was around this time that Kobe Bryant created Black Mamba, as he explained in uh, Moose, a documentary about his life. Kobe became the flawed human being trying to cope with his personal problems, and Black Mamba was his alter ego on the court, like a serpent who channeled his rage and anger and darkness into a devastating amount of power and raw talent on the court. And after Kobe retired in 2016, he made an uh, anime, uh, I think it was an animated movie that won an Oscar, and he launched podcasts, movies, television shows. Many of them were about why he was set apart from the world, even as he tried to connect with it. There, There's actually a series of books featuring a young uh, tennis player named Legacy. I mean, tennis means life and death for the residents of the magical kingdom of Nova and for 12-year-old Legacy. It's the only thing getting her through the long days taking care of the other kids at the orphanage. And that's what the, the uh, description reads in the book. I mean, magic is involved. I mean, Kobe Bryant's stories involved rage and self-discipline and anger and, yes, of course, greatness. But by all accounts, he was as involved and even obsessive with those projects as he was with anything else in his life. He didn't withdraw from the game either. He, he mentored other players, women as well as men. And in the public imagination, the battle for the best player in history may be between LeBron James and Michael Jordan, but Kobe Bryant was one that many players actually idolized. He had four daughters, and he understood that there were they, they were part of his legacy too. And Gianna, the second uh, daughter out of the four, was a talented basketball player. And in McGrath's profile, uh, Bryant acknowledged that he saw something in himself in Gianna. She was, in his words, insanely and insanely competitive like i mean insanely competitive that they attended several lakers games this season a nets game just last week and a video of them together at that nets game went viral and in it kobe bryant appeared to be intensely explaining something to gianna and she uh, just pursing her lips like a, a, a typical teenager laughs and takes it in and kobe bryant's death is and gianna's of course is just devastating as well uh, my mind keeps returning to that clip of them at the nets game from last week and kobe bryant just seemed so much himself concentrated setting himself apart and at the same time so deeply human i mean it was 
always a mistake to think that he only wanted to win. He wanted to do so many things. And again, my condolences go out to Kobe Bryant's family, his uh, three daughters, his wife Vanessa, as well as his friends and other family that are affected by this news as well as all the other great players around the league that played with him as well. Kobe Bryant dead at the age of 41 on January 26th. 2020 and again like i mentioned at the start of the show we have burlington royals broadcaster play-by-play broadcaster as well as dean college broadcaster and the host of the alex fuse show alex fuse on the show today we're going to talk a little bit about both of our experiences in sports broadcasting some of his interviews which included the likes of yankees radio broadcaster john sterling we'll get into that we'll talk a little wwe wwe royal rumble taking place right now actually we have uh, laid down some predictions for you and we're going to talk a little bit more about the astro sign stealing scandal as well as more regarding this kobe bryant um tragic tragic death today on this sunday so here is my interview with alex fuse Just, you know, I've been following this story ever since it broke. It's just a, a crazy story. So it's confirmed to him and his oldest daughter and then two other, another parent and another uh, uh, kid? Yeah, I believe um, it's a baseball coach for a college, if I'm correct, um, that I think is one of her teammates. Uh, so they run the helicopter as well. God. And then it just blew up too because social media is like going at it like oh all four daughters were on the were on the plane another former uh, teammate of Kobe's was on the plane it's like oh my god just like shut up like let it play out but right. this is sad this is really really not good uh, but thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for on another note thanks for uh, taking the time to talk I wanted to get kind of your take and your experiences on broadcasting since we're both in school aspiring broadcasters both with podcast shows. Uh, just kind of wanted to like pick your brain a little bit about your experiences as well as mine. Yeah, no, I, it's great, and thanks again for reaching out. Um, I'm only 19, uh, so you know it's a little different for me. I've had my own podcast. It'll be six years in May that I've been doing this. Um, so you know, it's something that I have a passion for. It's something that I have an interest in. And it's something I love to do. So six. So you've been doing it since you were thirteen. That's like back when podcasts, like obviously, like they were always kind of big, but like even before like the podcast era, which is actually really cool. Yeah, I started in eighth grade in middle school, um, and then have kind of just kept with it. So it will be uh, last year we did. You know, it's only myself. For the, on the show, right? So, um, uh, so it's kind of you know like we celebrated the fifth anniversary, but really you know, uh, so it's it'll be six years, I believe, near the end of May uh, this year. Like, what what started all of this? Like, what was your what what's your story behind wanting to get into sports broadcasting? Um, it's a funny story. I was grounded for two weeks in the seventh grade. And um, I couldn't watch any TV. Naturally, I turned yeah. On, it turned on the radio, and I started listening to John Sterling, the voice of the Yankees, called Yankee Games. And that's when I got hooked on baseball and sports. A uh, little different. I was not a sports fan up until this point of time. Wow. Uh, so I, I was late to the game. Uh, with being a fan of sport, you know, everyone always says, like, oh, like, 
my childhood, right, watching sports. But I didn't really start watching baseball until I was 12, 13 years old. So um, a little different from a lot of my friends growing up. What the hell were you doing? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm a wrestling fan. Wrestling was my first yes, there you uh, go. love. Uh, so I would say, you know, Yes, of course, wrestling is a sport in my opinion, yeah, but not yeah. one of the mainstream ones. You know, it's, it's professional wrestling. It's, it's sports entertainment. Okay, yeah, people so, people on the outside will rip people just saying, like, it's fake and stuff. But, like, those guys put their bodies on the line every night. Like, it, it's very impressive what they do. Exactly. Uh, and, and the endurance that goes with it, in the wrestling five, six nights out of the week, uh, 365 days a year so you know it's not just like oh you know they got wrestlemania once a year it's not that it's after mania they're wrestling monday night right after so yeah it's incredible what they can do so that's what i, I watched for, for the, the good part of my childhood but really be, became a sports fan when i was 12 13 years old um so a little different for someone that definitely has an interest in sports broadcasting oh 100 percent. do you still watch professional wrestling yes royal rumbles tonight my yeah favorite, tonight uh, one of my favorite pay-per-views besides wrestlemania i love the surprises uh that's what got me hooked royal rumble um was the first pay-per-view i saw as a wrestling fan, so Royal Rumble is always special to me. Yeah, I went to the Rumble last year at uh, Chase Field in Phoenix. Do you think uh, Edge is coming back tonight? Because that was always the big rumor. Edge is one of my favorites. Uh, I was actually at the SmackDown where he retired uh, in Albany. Uh, it was he made the announcement on Raw and then uh, was on SmackDown the, the following night. So I was there uh, for that. So Edge has always been one of my favorites. So I hope you know I think that would be insane if he returns tonight. But for his health and safety, I don't know if I want him to. Oh, I completely understand with that. Brock Lesnar is going to be entering number one. Like you don't want that. Mm-hmm. And if he comes back, I could see it being one of those situations where you get a spear like the nostalgia act from him, and then he gets tossed over the top rope. Maybe he has a quick match at Mania, something like that. But he's been denying it. He's been denying these rumors ever since they came about, ever since everybody's been claiming that he's been getting in shape to come back, because I think I've seen pictures of him. Like He's obviously in the best shape of his life, arguably, but I don't know if you want him going back, uh, facing the likes of Lesnar or even a Bray Wyatt, you know? Right, you know, but if you told me, you know, three years ago that Daniel Bryan would be back and wrestling yeah. full time, I would have said that you're crazy. Um, so it's definitely interesting. Uh, nine years it, it, it would be yeah. uh, since he last wrestled. Uh, so definitely not just, you know, two, three years ago. It's almost a decade. Uh, so whether or not we see Edge return tonight, I hope so, just because he is one of my favorites. If we don't get Edge, I would love CM Punk to come in at number 30. Uh, don't get my hopes up there, dude. I feel like, I don't even think he's in, like, the best shape. Like, obviously, like, he was a good 210, 200 pounds at least when he was a wrestler, and then he slimmed down when he went to the UFC. I think he's, like, a buck 60 right now. I've, uh, I feel like if he did come out tonight, like, he did uh, an A-OK job at hiding the fact that he didn't have problems with WWE for the last six years. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be unbelievable. To me, 
Uh, the biggest story going into that match is who's going to toss Lesnar over the top rope. Unless Vince, of course, uh, has another stupid moment and another brain fart and has Lesnar win from the number one possession as the champion, which I, I pray to God that that won't happen. I have a feeling that Cain Velasquez is going to uh, eliminate Brock Lesnar tonight. Do we want to see that match again, though? Like, no. been, there, been there, done that. Yeah. Would the, would the storyline be like Kane beat him in UFC, Lesnar beat him in WWE, so it's technically 1-1? Or what if we see Ronda Rousey enter in the men's horrible match? Ooh, I, I, my prediction is that Rousey is going to return tonight regardless. I think she'll, she'll probably end up winning the women's match, but if she returns in the men's match, that's, uh, that's interesting. I don't know why. We've seen it before. True, but like this is a, what she's been off since Mania 35. It's been almost 10 months now. I feel like she, yep. unless she won the match and challenged like Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania or something like that, or even Lesnar, you know, UFC versus UFC, I feel like you can't have her return after 10 months, a uh, 10 month layoff and have her get thrown over the top rope. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I'm excited for tonight. I don't even know what the other matches are off the top of my head besides. The Rumble. Um, I've just been kind of like half in and half out the last few weeks of wrestling, so I haven't even looked at the full card yet. But um, I'm excited for the Rumble match. I know uh, it's like rumored that like Beth Phoenix is gonna enter yeah. the women's match and stuff like that. So you know, I think it's like 21 entries have not been announced for the women's match. So there's gonna be a lot of returns and maybe yeah. even you know if Punk comes back, maybe we'll see the AJ Lee return. Oh man. Getting my hopes up now. Was it start I know, I two do, hours I do it to now? Myself every year. <laughs> no, I'm with you though on that. I used to be like a hardcore wrestling fan, specifically WWE. This was obviously before the indies became huge, but now these days, I'm with you. I casually tune in. I keep up to date with some of the storylines, but mm-hmm. that's about it. I feel like WWE and I just think the creative has run it into the ground to the point where people like. Obviously, Cody Rhodes starts AEW, and all of that takes off. But, yeah, I mean, going back on what you said earlier, though, 13 years old was when you started watching other sports. I mean, that's that's crazy to me. I mean, to me, though, like, I feel like when I'm behind on certain stuff and I don't know certain people or certain events, and people are like, really? You don't know these people? I tend to catch up and kind of become well more advanced in it. And obviously, what are you, a sophomore in college? Yes, a sophomore in college. Sophomore in college, and you're obviously well more advanced than most of your peers around you considering what you've been able to do with the show you've had since you were 13 as well as all these interviews that you've been getting yeah that's kind of where i like to say is like my niche you know and where i can be different from everyone else you know and not different but you know everyone always likes to compare everyone to someone else right you know right We'll do it right now. LeBron James, you know, Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant, you know, comparing these people, you know, Derek Jeter trying to compare the current players of the game to a Derek Jeter, you know, all the cops and stuff like that. But I'm not into that stuff. I like I want to be my own person. And that's where I feel like the interviews that I've, you know, been so grateful, you know, I'm so grateful for the people I've been able to talk to where it's 
different from everyone else. Yeah. To me, again, sophomore in college, a lot of kids, again, like I said before, this is kind of the podcast era. Everyone has a podcast. It doesn't really matter what you're in. Anyways, you don't have to be a uh, wannabe sports broadcaster or analyst or journalist. You could be a film major and have your own show. All entrepreneurs have their own shows now. Yeah, I, I always say, like, the man on the side of the street has a podcast. Oh, yeah. It, it's 2020. <laughs> it's, it's, a new, it's a new era. But to me, again, it's got to be about the content that you uh, put out there and with the interviews that you've had so far and some of the interviews other people I've talked to have had so far like it makes you stand out how exactly have you been able to get some of these interviews are they through school or do you have a, a booking agent nope um, it's all through myself and that's what really what I put my pride that's, in yeah I've never paid anyone for an interview I've interviewed over 600 people um, and uh, it will be again six years so in basically six years I've not I've interviewed over 600 people and I have not paid anyone one cent to be interviewed. Um, and no one I've ever interviewed has been really, you know, through someone else. And, you know, someone would be like, oh, like, here's, you know, how you get this person. But, like, it's always me reaching out to set things up, you know, right. and it's never the other way around. So, um, you know, and, and again, you know, I, I know you probably already know like the people I've interviewed, but still, it's like it's so cool to get the the chance to talk to these great people in the industry. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, I mean, I've had my fair share of interviews too, just reaching out to people via email or calls, whether it's their agents or them straight up. Uh, just because there's a lot of aspiring broadcasters out there, I feel like this is important. The biggest thing you just mentioned there was that you've been able to do this on your own. Talk to me a little bit about how you've been able to network with some of these people over the years, over the past six years, and have been able to, like, because there's one thing to interview someone, it's another thing to interview them, have them like you, and to keep that relationship growing. Great point. I would say the best compliment I can get is not the first interview, it's the second or yeah. the third. And, you know, I've interviewed, you know, a couple of the people I look up to um, ever since I've gotten into this industry where to be able to maintain a relationship with them and just grow that just network um, is something that I am truly grateful for and it's it's gotten me to where I am today especially with my new job with the Kansas City Royals yeah. where I never would have thought I would have been at the age of 19 if you told me that you know six years ago that you know I would have a job with the Kansas City Royals at 19 um, a sophomore in college all because of someone I interviewed just a couple years ago basically so talk to me a little bit about that so it's the Burlington Royals are they the rookie ball of Kansas City Royals yeah they're like a single A team uh, I think it's like a rookie advanced team um, it's where most of the draft picks go yeah. um, I believe based on history of this team, it's usually uh, the pitchers from it would be like the 2020 draft, but the hitters from the 2019 draft for the most part. Well, it'll mix up both. Um, so there's, I believe, one or two other rookie advanced teams, including the Arizona League, that where most of the draft picks that would be from like this season for the upcoming season. So it's more of a developed I, I feel like Burlington um, is a step before single A or double A for a lot of these top guys mm -hmm. so it's kind of like that stepping stone into you know surely it's still professional baseball but it's kind of a step into the real um, world 
the professional baseball where you will see more of a dragged out schedule like a major league team. And you mentioned that you got this through one of the interviews that you did. Which guy was it? Um, so, you know, it wasn't really through anyone. So I asked uh, someone for a piece of advice. I really wasn't hearing too much uh, for internships this summertime. And in something that, you know, for the summer where I will really just wasn't hearing anything that was like, wow, like that's something where I want to do. Uh, last summer, I was with the New Bedford Bay Sox, uh, NECBL Summer Collegiate Baseball team. Uh, due to financial reasons, they aren't a team this summer, so that was my ultimate fallback option, mm-hmm. right? And then that was gone. Um, so I had to really figure out, okay, I want something for the summertime that I feel like is a step ahead. And if I didn't, my ultimate fallback option would be back at uh, ESPN affiliate radio station in my hometown that I entered at junior year of high school. But I'm like, I already did that, right? Um, so it was definitely where I'm like, okay, what's next? Wh- where do I want to go from here? So I sent a text message um, to someone in the industry, and they told me to play the numbers game. They said, send an email uh, with a resume or just an email say asking for any opportunity to anyone that you would want to intern for or work for. Yep. So I took that piece of advice and I sent an email to every single minor league baseball team asking if they had any broadcasting opportunities. Keyword opportunities because instead of internship. Um, so I sent an email to every single minor league baseball team. Uh, it will be three Mondays ago from tomorrow. And uh, within two minutes, uh, the Burlington GM got back to me, said, send me your resume. I did. He said, do you have any real? I did. Uh, He said, can you do a phone interview tomorrow at 2? And now I'm texting everyone I know that might know someone that works for the Kansas City Royals. (laughs) uh, Basically, I got a recommendation and, you know, that kind of helped push things along uh, for that. (laughs) <laughs> that, that's an incredible story, dude. And you mentioned uh, uh, broadcasting in college uh, baseball, too. I'll just say from experience, as a junior now, in in college, 21, collegiate baseball, I'm with you, very kind of unorganized. You mentioned they, they are no longer a team now due to financial reasons. It's kind of it's kind of tough throughout the summer. And then last summer, I worked in uh, uh, Charlotte with the Charlotte Knights for, uh, I think, the AAA affiliate of the White Sox, just in media relations, not broadcasting, but far more organized far more you know they take care of you it's a lot nicer so congrats on that That, that's a huge opportunity for you and for anybody listening that's that's a great way to uh reach out you reach out to what all minor league teams regarding uh, broadcast opportunities Uh, i believe it's 160 minor league teams that's an email wow how many responses in total besides this is kansas city i got close to uh, 70 to 80 responses within the first week. <laughs> and what, just through uh, uh, MILB.com you found those emails? Yeah, I went to each team's. I spent almost three days getting everyone's email and just drafting up the emails to where, you know, I, I made it personable and it wasn't just like a hello, you know, blah, 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 like a spam email. Like, I made it personable because, you know, that's who I am and that's, you know, what I would want someone to do to me, you know, where you put the time in because no matter what team I reach out to, I did have an interest in interning with them, right? Yeah. So that's definitely how I wanted to go. It wasn't just a, you know, a half, you know, in the 
in the basket type thing, yep. you know, where, you know, I, I don't want to just skip by, you know, and just try to just get the opportunity for my resume. That's not how I, I do things. Oh, absolutely. That's the number one way to do certain things like that, especially trying to break into the business, I feel like. What would you say in broadcasting has been one of your most memorable moments thus far? That's a tough question. Um, I would say just being able to meet the people I've been able to meet, you know, just getting to just have a glimpse of the possibilities that are in this career. Um, Again, I've known since I started this, I want to work in sports, whether or not it's broadcasting or behind the scenes, sports management. I love sports. I love baseball, number one, you know, and I just love the atmosphere in the game of baseball. You're from Massachusetts? I'm from upstate New York, and I go to school um, in Massachusetts. I feel like I'm (laughs) from Massachusetts just because I spent a lot of my time here because last year I lived at my college. I go to Dean College in Franklin, Mass. Um, So I lived on campus um, for 48 out of the 52 weeks in 2019. So basically, I I live in Massachusetts. What what team did you grow up rooting for, obviously? You didn't start watching until you were 13, but what team? The New York Yankees. That a boy. Yep. That a baby. The Yankees all the way. What, uh, how, how was it like talking to, obviously, one of my favorite broadcasters, as well as, I think, why you ultimately, like you mentioned before, got, uh, getting into broadcasting, John Sterling. How, how was that experience like, getting to talk to one of the greatest, if not broadcasters of all time, one of the greatest Yankee broadcasters of all time, and how did you set that up? Um, John, you know, is, again, the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing, yeah. right? And... You know, I told him that when I first met him. I met him at the New York State Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, not the Baseball Hall of Fame, but the New York State one. Um, and Randy LaRue, who is a president, uh, is a good friend of my dad's. Uh, they're in a fantasy baseball league together. And I went to the draft one year, and I was calling the draft uh, for my dad's league and, you know, helping them uh, pick who uh, their, their team they want to draft for that season. And I was sitting next to Rennie, and, you know, we started talking about the Hall of Fame, and he's like, yeah, if you have any ideas of who, you know, should be inducted into the Hall of Fame, like, let me know. The New York State one, I said, well, what about John Sterling? He goes, oh, good idea. I'll try to set that up. And, you know, he posted that John was going to be inducted, and then he texted me. He's like, hey, do you want to come to the Hall of Fame and help me uh, work it, and you can meet John? And I go, yeah, let's, that sounds amazing, uh, because the funny thing about John Sterling is he has a flip phone. He doesn't know what the Internet is yep. for the most part. Yep. He, he doesn't have an email, so it's incredibly impossible um, to set up they were trying to get a hold of John Sterling. So I, I got to meet him. I told him, you know, I told him the story where I'm, you know, pursuing this career with sports broadcasting because of him. And, you know, he was very uh, grateful for that. And he was like, here's my number. And we set up an interview uh, for the podcast. And I've interviewed him a couple of times since then. Now, obviously, I'm, I haven't listened to the episode, but I'm going to assume because me personally would have asked him this question. Did you request a custom home run call from John Sterling? <laughs> I did. I, awesome. I said I took it from uh, Michael Kay, 
because I said, look, uh, in the, Michael K interviewed Sterling on center stage for one of the shows a few years ago, and you know, I said, look, if I were to ever play for the New York Yankees, which would ever happen, and I hit a home run, what would my home run call be? And he gave me my own uh, call, and that was that was so cool. Do you remember it off the top of your head? Yes, he said, "Alex lit the fuse." I play off my last name, and he is Alexander the Great. That's unbelievable. I, I wonder if he came up with that on the fly, or if he knew you were going to ask the question and wrote it down beforehand. Well, I told him before the interview. I said, "Do you mind if I ask you this?" He said, <laughs> "No, your name is very easy." And then uh, in the interview, he said, "He said he made it right on the spot." So yeah, um, I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, uh, that's very cool. That, yeah, I always joked. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll make that my ringtone or something or. <laughs> <laughs> it immediately puts you in a good mood every day. Uh, I know it. What would you say has your, been your favorite interview out of all 600 interviews that you've done? Mm, good question. Uh, besides <laughs> Sterling, I think I would say um, Bob Costas. We had Bob on the show um, a few weeks ago uh, back in, I believe it was late November. Um and he's just an incredible guy, one of the, the, the Mount Rushmore's of sports broadcasters. Oh, yeah. Um, so just to be able to get 15 minutes with him was incredible. And for the Alex Fuse show, you guys are in, in studios at at school? Yes, it, um, it's at our college radio station. It's myself and I would say close to 10 other people around the show. I made this show back in September of last year. Uh, so... Now that's kind of taken over my old podcast just because, yeah. you know, I do it Monday through Friday from 7 to 8 a.m. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know, I get up at 4.30 every morning and then go to my classes at 9.30. Um, so I do it every day. Um, everyone that's on this show, I think um, everyone either goes like one or two days. Um, so no one else is doing five days with me uh, right. because I don't blame them. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I like to say I'm the crazy one, uh, but, you know, honestly, that's probably my, so far, um, almost two years through my college career has been the highlight, um, and it's just such an incredible way to start my day, uh, much better than a cup of coffee that could wake me up. It, it's just somewhat fun to get an hour to talk about whatever I want with my friends. Hey, cra the crazy ones are the most successful ones, my friend. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, now, when it comes to broadcasting, you're going to be with the Burlington Royals this summer. Um, when it comes to being a different type of broadcaster, obviously coming up with your own calls. We talked about John Sterling has an unbelievable amount of different home run calls for each player that he comes up with. What would what, what's Alex Fuse's signature call? Mine is mine used to be uh, bartender Jack, but I go to a Christian school, so they didn't let me do that. So then I had to come up with something else. But what's your signature call? You know, I don't think I really have a signature call yet. Um, last summer, I did have, you know, not for everyone that hit a home run, but for a few. I would kind of like to pay tribute to John Sterling in yeah. some ways. Um, there was uh, an outfielder on the team. His name was Ryan Markey, who plays for um, St. John's uh, University. And he's on the team there, and he was on the Bay Sox last summer. So Ryan Markey, um, when he would make a great play in the field, I would say, oh, what a remarkable play. Um, or he did hit a home run, and I said, 
Ryan Markey adding his name to the marquee. Uh, nice. So, you know, just a little things, a little uh, touches in there. Um, Brian Hart, who was a second baseman for the team, he had a home run, a walk-off home run. And I said, Brian Hart just broke the other team's hearts. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, not doing it for every home run like a John Sterling, but just paying tribute to him because, again, without John, I wouldn't be doing this. Um, so that's kind of my little touch, my little Sterlingisms, um, I guess you could say, um, to really develop my own style, but also pay tribute to the people that um, are the reason why I'm doing it. Oh, well, great minds think alike, Alex. I, I just made a list of home run calls that I wanted to do Sterling style for, for my baseball team this year, and I read a few of them to my boss. And it's funny, I go to school in Arizona, so no one's watching Yankee games unless, of course, you're a Yankee fan. And unless you're a Yankee fan like ourselves, John Sterling's calls aren't cool, I guess you could say. Right? No, I, I mean, it's a great point, and look – John certainly deserves to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, but you know even he doesn't believe it will just because people outside of the New York market believe he's a homer. But if you listen to his games and you listen to how he calls it, he isn't. Um, I think for someone that oh you know up until after the London series that past uh, this past season. He didn't miss a game since I believe 1989. Right. Um, you know, so he called. You know, he could say he watched every single pitch that Mariano Rivera threw, every single at bat that Derek Jeter had, every single game managed by Joe Torre in New York, as well as Joe Girardi. Um, and just those four, right? Yeah. Let alone all the games that they won, all the World Series that they won, all the pennants that they won. Um, it's just incredible. Um, and to be able to say that, I think, shows that, yes, he cares about the Yankees because he has to. He covers them. So it's his passion for to cover the Yankees. So that's, and that's what shines. And it's not homerism. It's not anything along the lines of that. But he does deserve to be inducted into the Hall of Fame because he is a Hall of Fame broadcaster and one of the best in the business. Well, you make a great point there. Everyone outside the New York market, like you said, just – Again, thinks he's a homer in an instance. I was given some of my calls. We have this kid named Johnny Weaver. I was like, it's a ballpark lever from Johnny Weaver. They're like, you're not going to say that on the air, are you? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to say that on the air. Another one I had, we have this guy named Cuba Best. I was like, Cuba hits one to Aruba. Like, Cuba bested that one over the right field wall. And they're like, you got to be professional here. I'm like, I know a professional broadcaster that's been doing this for 50-plus years for the New York Yankees. All right? And they have no idea. Uh, the, the last thing I wanted to touch up on you with concerning baseball, of course, uh, considering it's the biggest, I guess you could say, newsworthy story right now, is the Astro sign-stealing scandal. Do you think it is uh, far from over at this point, even though it's kind of been put to rest for the moment, with Rob Manfred, of course, just saying it was about the trash cans and the cameras in center field. It was Cora's idea, uh, Beltron and Hinch and Lunau all getting axed for it. Uh, to me, though, this buzzer thing, like the, the wires for Altuve and Bregman, I feel like you can't just put that to bed, considering the footage that's out there that makes them look terrible. Yes, um, I would say it's definitely going to be interesting to see how this story develops throughout the season. 
And I don't think we will see anything further in terms of the Houston Astros. I think the next step is for Commissioner Manfred to release his, his statement regarding the Red Sox investigation. And in that will include his um, statement on Alice Cora and his future, whether or not, and you know, what his future is in the game of baseball at He's currently out of a job. The Red Sox let him go. We know that. Um, he has no suspension as of right now. There's no lifetime ban as of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but that will be included in the statement from the commissioner when the investigation of the Red Sox are done. But, you know, I, I tweeted this out on, when the, the day, on the day of the news broke. And I said the most requested addition to the game of baseball was a replay system. And now it's kind of funny. Now, yes, the replay system is not the reason why we're in this conversation, but it is a main reason to why they were able to add a technology into uh, the game when I'm talking about the Houston Astros here, um, where maybe we really shouldn't want uh, edit button on Twitter just yet. Right. Uh, because, you know, now we're seeing uh, just... Uh, the whole kind of fallout from just adding the replay system to the game of baseball. Um, it, 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 it's going to be interesting to kind of just see what's next. Where is this game of baseball in 2080 with the amount of technology? Even next season, you know, where technology is. I mean, science ceiling goes back to Little League uh, 100, 200 years ago. Um, so science ceiling has been in the game of baseball for forever, but it just gets so touchy when you're adding technology into it. Well, yeah, obviously science ceiling, when it just comes to the human form and catching signals and picking up on certain mannerisms, like that's one thing, certain al- algorithms, I should say. That's one thing. Like that, no one's had a problem with that. That's just gamesmanship. If you can't hide your signs well enough, people, pitchers are tipping pitches, that's on you. Like that's not cheating. What the Astros did was straight up cheating. And whatever, to me, what the Red Sox did compared to the Astros, is not nearly as bad. Obviously, it's illegal as of right now what they did, uh, taking uh, the footage from the replay room and relaying it to their runners on second base. But they could only use that according to what's been said and investigated so far. They only could use that when they had a runner on second base. So to me, uh, I mean, the only guy that's going to get punished here is Alex Cora, even though he's already in big trouble for the Astros uh, scandal. Uh, but to me, I feel like the Red Sox are not in as many crosshairs as the Houston Astros are. Yes. I, I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what's next, right? And who knows what Commissioner Manfred will say. You know, they're not going to take away the World Series championship from 2017 and 2018. You know, they aren't going to erase anything in the record book um, or the record books. I just don't know. Uh, I, I'm assuming that Commissioner Manfred is just trying to shut the door on this conversation as quick as possible and just trying to move on um, as a league as well. But I don't know how easy that is going to be. Eight other teams were in the report that said that they tried it but weren't as successful. Right. So who knows uh, what's next? Um, and, you know, again, this will all be developing more throughout the whole season. It seems that way. 
as of right now. And do you think that this whole buzzer nonsense is going to be put to rest? Like, obviously, it's kind of been quiet over the past week about it, ever since John Boy broke it open a few weeks ago. But do you think that the only way for that case to be reopened is for another player to obviously come out? Or even, like, I feel like this isn't even a team thing. I feel like this is strictly down to a couple of players, Altuve, Bregman, maybe Josh Reddick, and then a guy, of course, who would have to be holding the buzzer. I feel like the only way that that could come out is if someone confesses, kind of like how Mike Fires did. Now, Mike Fires is being investigated for other stuff that came up during his time with Houston, which is, to me, kind of a coincidence after what every, with everything going down. I, you know, when the news first, when John Boy first shared it, and you saw Jose Altuve grabbing the jersey um, and saying, you know, don't rip off the jersey, and that he didn't really even celebrate. He kind of just ran back yeah. down into the clubhouse, changed his shirt, and then came back up. I don't know if I believe that there was a buzzer. I don't know. There isn't enough evidence because, look, Jack, I don't think if Jose Altuve was wearing a buzzer and it worked, why wasn't every other Astros batter in that lineup wearing a buzzer? So, and they would have known that he was wearing it, and then they wouldn't have torn the jersey off. Yeah. So, I don't know um, if I completely buy it. Um, you know, how could they go from which was considered a highly um, intellectual system when really it was just banging trash cans and whistling to the next upcoming season? A whole buzzer system. I don't know. Something just doesn't add up there. Um, maybe it it is true, but I, I don't think MLB will ever reopen that one up because as soon as you start suspending players, it could basically be proven that 25 of those players cheated mm-hmm. in 2017. So now you can't suspend all those players where half of them aren't even uh, in Major League Baseball anymore. Um, so I don't know. I, I just... I just don't know what's next and what makes the most sense. Now, comparing this to past scandals, do you think, like, let me play devil's advocate here for a second. If this does turn out to be true, the whole buzzer thing, and Altuve and Bregman get uh, get canned for it, if MLB doesn't give them a lifetime ban, should they reinstate Pete Rose? So I feel like what the Astros have been doing is ten times worse than what Pete Rose did because Pete Rose – Again, gamble, not what you want. It's not good. It's very bad for him. But he never tainted the game in any way. He never betted against the Reds. Do you think that this is worse than what Pete Rose did? You know, it's a, good, it's a difficult question to ask. Yeah. Um, we're comparing these players from 30 years ago to the Pete Rose thing. It's two completely different things. You know, you could also ask, you know, could you – does Alex Rudd, if you – put Carlos Beltran in the Hall of Fame, who, in my opinion, is not a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he gets in, but it's not like a Daryl Jeter uh, conversation with David Ortiz. But when Alex Rodriguez is on the ballot, do you hold Carlos Beltran up to Alex Rodriguez standard? I don't know. Um, So it's definitely something to think about, right? Do we consider this such a, I mean, I would say you would have to uh, if, you know, it came out that Jose Altuve was wearing a buzzer. I think you would have to suspend or ban him 
as for life because you did it to Pete Rose and to your point in terms of the long scene of the game it is more right um, but I don't know I don't know what Commissioner Manfred wants I don't know look also it should be noted the CBA deal is up yeah. at the end of the season and that's going to be a challenge within itself this upcoming offseason you know so when the players are, need to agree you know and as soon as you start suspending or banning players that could affect the game of baseball for years to come when the labor union is meeting in the offseason I don't know if Commissioner Manfred really wants to open up those doors also, Commissioner Manfred works on behalf of the 30 MLB teams. Right. The owners of the 30 teams are his boss. Um, so I don't know if he wants to go down that route because then it's uh, who did it. You know, he said this, they said that, um, and now what? You're going to suspend all 30 teams? And like, like, like well, let's say, right, every team has tried or implements – a center field camera or with the replay room. What's the league going to do if that ever happened? Are, are you going to fire every single manager and general manager? Are you going to suspend every manager and every general manager? Are you going to suspend all the players? Like, it just doesn't make sense. I, I don't know what's next. I'm sure this is making a, a little, you know, isolated thing into a larger issue or kind of, you know, a scenario. But still, like, let's say it wasn't just the Astros, but it was 10 other teams. What's next? What's the logical reason and how to stop this? Now, do you feel like, obviously, if all this went down, if, if there are, and then Rob Manfred obviously knows more than anybody else about what's going on. There could be a ton of stuff that he knows that he's not letting the public know especially when it comes to the Astros stuff right now and the Red Sox stuff obviously still being investigated for their sign stealing in 2018. But do you think that if more comes out about this in just Rob Manfred's, like just on his table, all these papers start coming up, do you think that he would try and sweep most of it under the rug to keep the owners happy and to keep baseball? Uh, obviously, the Astros scandal kind of put a dent for baseball going into the 2020 season, probably going to be the most intense season in MLB history. But do you think that he's going to sweep a lot of this under the rug if more stuff comes up? I wouldn't say maybe sweep under the rug. I definitely think it would be a case-by-case basis, you know, where do we need to put this out there um, to where, look, baseball's a business, right? And I can't remember a time since I've been a fan since really 2013 where baseball has gotten this much conversation in the offseason to where baseball has been a conversation on first take by Stephen A. Smith almost every day in the right. last two weeks. Yep. You know, where it almost goes back to the old saying, you know, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Um, so people are talking about baseball. People, um, when Twitter was drunk uh, two weeks ago, uh, when Carlos Beltran went down, you know, that whole story went down. Look, I, I'm interested to see what's next and how much of a conversation. Spring training's just around the corner, and now at all the fan fests and stuff like that, where a lot of the a lot of the players um, yeah. made their statements as well, and a lot of 
heartbreaking stories were told. Uh, so I don't know. I, I think Commissioner Manfred kind of just wants the story to go away, but also doesn't want, you know, want, he, I'm sure he wants to make sure that the credibility of the game is still there. And the credibility of the game, the only way to do that is to release the statements and tell the whole story. But I don't know if they ever will. Well, time will tell when it comes to that stuff. We got the, uh, the Rumble in an hour. What are your final predictions for the Rumble before I let you go? Women's Royal Rumble, Men's Royal Rumble. And I think we have uh, Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, which is probably the best thing going in WWE right now, mm-hmm. versus Daniel Bryan. I think those are the top That's three right. matches. Yeah, um, I would say for the, the Fiend and Bryan, I think the Fiend keeps the belt um, for the, until Mania. Um, and then I would say for the Men's Rumble, um, I'll go to Women's Rumble. I would say Ronda Rousey. Uh, for a women's rumble, and then for the men's, um, let's say I would get, I'll give two. I am hopeful, and I've been saying this ever since the last time he wrestled in WWE, CM Punk. <laughs> but the logical one, the one that I would go to Las Vegas and bet would be Drew McIntyre. Wow, I think Drew McIntyre will have the quote-unquote memorable rumble where he's in it for a while he may end up like the most eliminations in history i don't know what it, i think rain still holds that with like 12 or 13 i think uh, mcintyre is going to eliminate a handful i think lesnar is going to eliminate a handful um women's royal rumble i'm with you ronda rousey all the way i mean she's the clear choice and then you're finally going to have that becky lynch versus ronda rousey match at wrestlemania the one-on-one match everybody wanted from a year ago before they threw in charlotte flair to add unnecessary star power and then uh for the men's uh i'm with you on white white's gonna be daniel bryan it's gonna be a great match a great storyline probably the best storyline going on right now in the company but bray wyatt obviously with the fiend character they've kind of made him unstoppable makes no sense to have him lose now at the royal rumble have him lose at mania if anything Uh, for the men's royal rumble match i think mcintyre is gonna have a great match i don't think he's gonna win it i think unfortunately Pending any great surprises, um, I think WWE has put him on the shelf for a little bit now in feuds with Baron Corbin and the likes of McIntyre and even Shane McMahon over the summer. I'm going Roman Reigns, and then Roman Reigns challenges Wyatt for the title at WrestleMania. I like it. I like the concept. But I don't know if I can take another Reigns Rumble victory. I don't think I don't think Houston's going to be able to take it, honestly. But I feel like that's kind of that's like the logical. Oh, that was I was at that Rumble. That was awful. Oh, you were. It was. Oh my god! Awful. I'll never forget that. I feel like Jack that the whole narrative around Reigns has kind of died down ever since he returned from um, his. Leukemia. Well, because at the same time, like, obviously everyone's happy for him. Everybody's going to back him after that. But for the past year, he's been in the mid-card. He really hasn't been in any big storylines. Now you're going to throw him into potentially if he wins. Not saying he's going to win, but if he does win, right back in the main event of WrestleMania after just one year of not being in the WrestleMania main event, after main eventing WrestleMania for four years. Yeah. But I definitely feel like the... You know, when he was away and was battling for leukemia, it showed that, you know, he's a person, right? And um, it definitely showed just how much strength he has to be able to come back. I think he was only gone for, it seemed like, less than six months, right? Right. You know, to where he was able to uh, 
get into remission, get healthy, and be back uh, full-time. And, you know, he just has an incredible story. I do love Roman Reigns, but I don't know if I can handle a Reigns victory tonight. They've been He's been so well booked over the last year or so as a mid-card and not, you know, shoved down the fans' throats, as, you know, they like to say. Um, and, you know, the golden boy of Vince McMahon in the 2020 century. So I, I don't know what the future is for Roman Reigns. Uh, obviously, he's the face of the company. But, uh, look, I don't know if he'll win tonight. I, I think McIntyre. McIntyre is my choice. So you're going McIntyre. I'm going Reigns. I'll give you a wild card since you went with uh, CM Punk shocking the world and returning tonight. Here's my here's my shocking the world in returning tonight. I do think Edge is going to be in the match. That I don't think he's going to win, but I think he's going to have his moment of nostalgia. Everyone's going to it's going to blow the roof off of Minute Maid Park. To me, if they're going to if one guy can keep a secret in this business and is able to spin anything like I know he's been able to spin it, and I know that he said he went on record saying that he wanted to have a big moment at WrestleMania 36. It's John Cena. We haven't heard anything from John Cena. Great point. Um, I have heard rumblings, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> I feel like it, that was intended, but, but continue. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't. I think that would be crazy. I was at Mania last year um, in New York City when he came out, uh, and that was awesome. You know, the crowd went wild for that uh, moment when he came out as Thugonomics, um, and... I truly miss John Cena because he is our Stone Cold Steve Austin of this generation um, that grew up watching in the 2000s, right? Um, So he is the Hulk Hogan to my parents uh, in terms of superstars in the WWE and professional wrestling and Andre the Giants. You know, he is that kind of – he is on – the Mount Rushmore of professional wrestlers, especially in the WWE. Um, So he's up there. I think it would be great to see him come back and be back for a semi-part-time up through Mania for a while. We really haven't seen it in the last few years. No, and it's ironic. All those people that chanted Cena suck for all those years are now chanting, like, please come back, dude. Like, we need you. Like, they're, they're shoving Reigns and Rollins down our throat. We, we kind of need John Cena back. Because you took him for granted all those years. Uh, great promo work, great wrestling ability. Everybody says, oh, he's not a great technical wrestler. Like, he can't wrestle. He was phenomenal. And if he wasn't a great wrestler, he sure as hell made it look like he was a great wrestler. Uh, turning out classics with Rollins and AJ Styles, uh, all the new guys. I mean, one last run for him, like you mentioned, a semi-run where he's back like January through April going into Mania. Maybe wins his 17th world championship to beat Flair or uh, wins his first IC title, which he's never done. Those two options would be great for me to see Cena win. But time will tell with that Royal Rumble. It starts, what, kickoff show in an hour at Mania. It made park. Hopefully, there'll be no cameras up for any of the wrestlers. That was intended. I don't know how that would work, but I had to throw that in there. Um, Alex Fuse, thanks so much for uh, doing this, man. Let me know if you want to do this again sometime because I would really love to uh, share some stories as well as, again, growing up in broadcasting. I know you're only 19, I'm 21, but like the more and more we get into this, the more and more crazy things go down working in minor league baseball as well as college baseball. Let's do it. 
this was fun. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> well, I'm glad you had fun, man. I'll let you get back to your Sunday. I, I still want to read up on some of this news regarding Kobe Bryant because I feel like a lot more went down. Mm-hmm. Just such a sad story and one of the ultimate game changers in basketball and especially the NBA. And, you know, look, I think the NBA should retire number 24 across the league, especially after today, just because of how much of an impact he made on the game of basketball. Did, so, last thing, was uh, were most of the games canceled today? Because I know the Spurs played and they had the 24-second uh, shot clock runoff to start the game yep. to pay tribute. As of right now, from what I know, no NBA games were canceled. Interesting, interesting. Well, time will tell with that. Again, Alex, thanks for coming on. I'll stay in touch. Uh, I'll text I'll text you if CM Punk makes a shocking number 30th entrant tonight. Be like, you son of a bitch. I can't believe that happened. Not tonight. Uh, but thanks again, man. I'll let you get back to your Sunday. Have a great day. Of course. You too. Enjoy the rumble. Thanks again to Alex Fuse for coming on the show. Remember, the O Show is presented by Belly Up Sports. We are what they are. Remember to use the promo code OSHOW10. That's capital O-S-H-O-W-10 for $10 off your next order using TickPick.com. And the promo code OSHOW20, capital O-S-H-O-W-20, for $20 off your next order using MechaNutritionStore.com. Mecha Nutrition, build a better you. Hit it, Hootie. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.